The phrase bulldog tenacity, maybe you've heard that before. Uh, It is a phrase used to describe a certain attitude uh, that I believe is important and one we will talk about today. Now, when you hear the phrase bulldog tenacity, you think about a bulldog, right? Well, I've got a couple of pictures I wanted to show you this morning. The first, uh, that is not a bulldog. That, excuse me ladies, forgive me ladies, is what we would call a girly dog, right? Uh, frou-frous, maybe paint the toenails, carry them around in a purse, maybe push them in a stroller, you get them groomed. Uh, that is definitely not a bulldog. Let's look at the next picture. That's a bulldog. All right? Stocky, protruding jaw, short hair, wide legs, a bulldog. It's a noun, but it's also an adjective, and that's hence the phrase bulldog tenacity. So when we use this word bulldog as an adjective thinking about what the bulldog is what he looks like the characteristics of a bulldog it means to have the attributes of a bulldog what are those well bulldog tenacity means this it means to be strong and courageous to grab a hold of something and to not let go i'm convinced that god created the bulldog's nose slanted backwards so that it could breathe while still holding on to whatever it had a hold of And that's the idea is here to hold on to something with tenacity, with refusing to let go, with great commitment to be strong and courageous. And the culture tells us when we look around as men, today's Father's Day, we're talking about men. Uh, This is applicable to uh, you wherever you are. And, and wherever you are, find yourself in life. But for men, the, there's some things that the culture tells us that we are to be courageous or to be tenacious about. A couple of things that I brought kind of show that. One, anything to do with power tools, right? And I love power tools as much as the next guy. Um, but that's one thing that we, anything with power, you know, anything we can use to either build something or tear something up. You know, depending, sometimes you do both at the same time, right? But power tools. Uh, how about grilling? How many of you dads are going to show off your grilling skills today? You know, maybe not. Maybe somebody will cook for you. I don't know. But, you know, we're, you know maybe that's something that, that you're passionate about, and that's, that's fine. Um, but we're to be grill masters. I guess saw it on the video, right, to start with, uh, the video we started today with. So maybe, maybe you're planning on showing off your grilling skills later today. Or how about uh, television, right? Sit in my lounge chair recliner or whatever and sit back kick back and watch sports or whatever I choose you know ladies I know you only need one channel HGTV we need 160 and we scroll through all of them right scroll through the guide maybe that's something that you are tenacious about and all of those things in and of themselves are fine but I think we can probably come up with a better model something that's better to be tenacious about. And that is exactly what we are going to look at this morning. The Lord wants us to be men of God who grab a hold of serving him and never let go for his glory, who serve the Lord with a bulldog tenacity. And when serving the Lord, it helps to have an example. It helps for us to have a model that we can look to as an example. And that is what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at an old dog who is 110 years old at the time of the passage who's going to teach us, hopefully, some new tricks about serving the Lord with bulldog tenacity. Joshua, 110 years old, one of the most 
well-known verses in the Bible is at the end of what we're going to look at today, where Joshua, the, this 110-year-old bulldog, sticks out his lower jaw and says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. One of the greatest verses in all of the Bible. We're in part seven of this family series, Our Imperfect Family. We've looked at a lot of different angles, a lot of different things, truths about the family, and whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're old or young, single, married, um, divorced, widowed, there's something in this for everybody. Yes, it's Father's Day. We're talking about godly dads, but there are principles here that we're going to learn that I believe that regardless of who you are or where you are in life, you can apply to your life. So in this chapter, Joshua chapter 24, we look again, Joshua, he's at the end of his life, 110 years old. He is gathering, he has gathered all of the tribes of Israel together, and he's he knows that, that God's about to call him home. His time is short, and so he's giving them some final instructions. It is his farewell speech to the people that he has led. This is a pivotal time in the nation of Israel. They've completed their battles, moving into the promised land, and now they are on the verge of each tribe accepting their inheritance within the promised land. And so Joshua, this 110-year-old bulldog, is giving them his farewell speech. He's giving them a challenge to renew their covenant to the Lord and to remain faithful to the Lord. And so this is, this is an important time in the life of the nation of Israel. And Joshua is giving them this message. And at the end of this speech, renew your covenant, be faithful. And he says, as for me and my house, the decision's made. We're going to serve the Lord. So as we go through this passage today, if you have a written copy of God's Word, I encourage you, maybe you're looking at it electronically, highlight, underline, circle any word that has to do with the words, either the word serve or words related to the word serve. Just kind of highlight those as we look through these verses. We're going to look at verses 14 and 15 of chapter 24. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served which were beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now I'm going to spend some time in verses 14 and 15. But before I do, we're talking about serving the Lord. I want, it would be a mistake for me to assume that everybody here, everybody at home understands what serving God means. You know, sometimes we as preachers, we make the mistake of assuming everybody knows what we're talking about, and that is not always the case. And I don't want to make that mistake. So really quickly, let's talk about what it means to serve the Lord. You know, we can't be his servants unless we belong to him. So when we say to serve the Lord, here's what we mean. A believer's everyday selfless life of faith lived under God's rule by God's abundant grace for God's blazing glory. A believer who 
is living, serving the Lord selflessly by God's grace for his glory. So the first thing right off the bat is you have to be a believer to serve God. You can't serve God unless you know him, unless you're a child of his. So you, are, you have to be a follower of Christ. And then when we are saved, when we are his, serving the Lord is made up of three W's, three things. We'll say three W's. First, the worship of God. Second, walking with God. And then third, the work of God. Three W's, worship, walking with God, and working for God. Those three things, and there are three foundational verses. These things overlap. They're connected to each other, and there are three foundational verses that teach us about serving God. Let's look at those together. First is Acts 17.25. Three verses, beginning with Acts 17, 25. Nor is he, God, served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives things, gives to all people life, breath, and all things. So right off the bat, the first foundational principle of serving God is that God does not need our service. We don't serve God because he needs our service. Serving God is for our benefit. We serve because we need that we need to be humbled we need to surrender we need to live selfless lives it it is about our focusing on him and drawing close to him it's not because god needs it he allows us to serve him he loves us so much we need the worship of god to walk with god and we need to work for god we need to serve him the second verse i want to look at is first peter 4:11 The last part of that verse says, Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So that phrase, strength strength which God supplies, that's key. And that's the second foundational truth. We serve, the means of serving God is by his strength, not our own. You can't, everything we're going to talk about today, you can't do it on your own. I can't do it on my own. We have to depend on God. It's got to be by his strength. By his strength. So the means of service is by his strength. The motive is for his glory. Now let's look at Psalm 100 verse 2. The third foundational truth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Serving God should be joyful. That's the third foundational principle. Serving God should be joyful. It's not for him I mean, it's not because he needs it. It is for him, but it's not because he needs it. It's by his strength, only by his strength can we do it, and it should be joyful. It shouldn't be a task that I have to complete. It should be motivated by my love for him and my desire to know him. So with that said, let's look at verses 14 and 15. Joshua's challenge is for us to serve the Lord. We're going to look at a few truths this morning. Number one. Men who serve the Lord recall past blessings as they know they owe God everything. Men who serve the Lord recall past blessings as they know they owe God everything. In verses 14 through 15, in verse 14 we see the phrase, now therefore. All right, that's important. He's connecting everything that he said in the first part of that chapter to verse 14. Everything from 1 through 13, verses 1 through 13, he's connecting all of that. It all connects. Everything I said, he's saying, everything that I've said in verses uh, 1 through 13, it all connects to 14 and 15. In this, he's looking back at his past. He is, he's looking at a high, he's recapping a highlight reel of his life, of how God has worked in his life. He's sharing his God story, and it goes back 600 years. 
From the time of Abraham through Joshua chapter 24, 600 years of the history of the nation of Israel, Joshua, if you were to look back at verses 2 through 13 and read those, you'll see how he recaps how God has worked in his life and in this nation's life. So if you look, this 110-year-old warrior for God is sharing his story. He's sharing his testimony. And if you, again, were to look back, you would see in these verses 2 through 13 alone, you would see the word Lord used 21 times. In 17 different phrases, you would see where he says something to the effect of, the Lord said, I did it. God did it. God gets the glory. God gets the credit for what has been done in the life of this nation and in Joshua's life. We look at his past, showing how God did amazing things. Think about this. He was a bricklayer in Egypt. He was a slave. He knew the pain of a whip across his back. He worked and worked and worked, and then one day Moses and Aaron show up, and Joshua's there to see Moses come on the scene and to tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He sees the plagues, the gnats, all of that stuff. Joshua has a front row seat for all of it, and he sees how God performs these amazing signs and wonders, how he delivers his people from slavery. And he's there, front row seat, Red Sea. Moses and the people come up on the Red Sea. The most powerful army in the world behind them, nothing but sea in front of them. He sees God part that Red Sea and the nation of Israel cross over to the other side. And then the waters come crashing down on that most powerful army. He witnesses it firsthand. He sees God deliver his people. He's recapping all of what God has done. He knew what it was like to have needs in his life. To, to, to go without, to be thirsty and have water come from a rock that God provided, to experience hunger pains and to not know where your next meal was going to come from and then to experience God provide manna from heaven. He experienced God providing for his and his families, his country, the nation's needs. And he was one of the committee, one of the spies on the committee sent into the promised land. He saw everything that was there. And he was one of the minority that said, we need to take the land because God's provided it, promised it to us. Unfortunately, the nation went with the majority. And so he experienced funeral after funeral after funeral. How many funerals did he go to as these rebellious people died off for 40 years, wandering in the wilderness. How many funerals did he attend until that nation, that generation, had died off so that they could take the land that God had promised them? How about the battles? He goes into the promised land. He takes the baton from Moses. Imagine following Moses, yet he becomes one of the greatest leaders in the history of the nation of Israel. He takes the baton. He leads the nation. He goes into the promised land. And we see as he moves in, very much like the Red Sea crossing the Jordan, it was the, the time of flooding. And we read how the Jordan was heaped up on one side so they could cross into the promised land. And then we see him lead the nation of Israel, seven years of war, battles, where they, they defeated 31 kings of Canaan in a seven-year period. They move in. Before that, they circle the city. He gives the marching orders. They shout. The walls come down. And then they have those seven years of war. This 110-year-old warrior bulldog for the Lord is standing before his people that he has led. They're getting ready 
to go into their inheritance in the promised land after all this has taken place. And he gathers them together, and he looks them in the eyes, and there's peace in the land, and he tells them, now therefore, guess what? God did it all. God is faithful. Renew your covenant. Be faithful to the Lord. God has been faithful. Now it's your time to be faithful. How about us today? Do we ever just stop and pause and think about what God has done in our lives? How he's been faithful? How he's provided for our needs? How Jesus Christ on the cross provided for our greatest need? Delivering us from sin, freeing us from that, giving us an inheritance. You talk about an inheritance, the inheritance we have from our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ. Have we ever, do we ever just stop and think about what God has done to bring us to where we are? How about right now here in 2020? Do we think about how God has provided? We've been through a lot, ups and downs, just like Joshua. A lot of ups and downs, a lot of things. In our lives, we've been through ups and downs. In the past four months, we've been through a lot of ups and downs, right? A lot of challenges, a lot of hurt, a lot of fear. A lot that's going on that's uncertain. But God has provided through it all. And he continues to provide. We can look back at our God story and see how he provided in the past. And that will give us hope and assurance and confidence in the present. We are here today because God's faith, because of his faithfulness. And he continues to provide. So just like Joshua, we can look back. And here's the bottom line. And we don't need to forget this. Dads, it doesn't matter who you are. Dads or not, all of us, we don't need to forget this. We owe God everything. Everything that we are and everything that we have, we owe him everything. We need to get over this. We tend to do this, right? This thing, thinking of God, you owe me something, right? It's, it's time for you to do something for me. We go to God, we give him all of our requests, and that's all we ever do. Sometimes at least. God doesn't owe us anything. He's provided more above and beyond what we could ever deserve. We owe him everything. He did it all. He is faithful, and we should be faithful. The loving hand of God, we look back on our lives in the scenes and many times behind the scenes. The loving hand of God, we can see it throughout our lives. We can see his faithfulness throughout the life of this church. We can see his faithfulness. And even though the future is uncertain, we can look to the future with confidence and assurance because we've got God's faithfulness to depend on from the past as we look toward the future, and that will give us assurance. I love the fact, and you've heard this before, but I love the fact that remembering God's faithfulness in the past empowers us, but I love the fact that history is his story. It's his story. I mean, God orchestrated it all. And so we look at his story, and here's the thing about serving God, the slide that was just up, remembering God's faithfulness in the past empowers our service for today and brings hope for tomorrow. It was a, a, a study, a, an experiment Purdue University did a few years back. 46 golfers, they shot a round of golf, and as they came into the clubhouse after their round of golf on a bulletin board, they had two, two pictures of two different size holes. And they told these 46 golfers, they said one of these holes is the same size as the cup on the greens of the course you just shot. And they told them to pick which one. One one, one of them was small, one of them was large. And they told them to pick 
which one they thought was the accurate, was the size of the hole on the course they just shot. And without fail, all 46 golfers, the ones who shot a bad round picked the smaller hole, and the ones who shot a good round picked the larger hole. Without fail, every one of them, depending on their score. Their Their experience on the course influenced their view of the size of that hole. It's kind of like when you're shooting basketball and the rim seems like it's this big, right? You can't miss. Your experience influences your perspective. Their experience in the past had impact on their hope for the future. And the same is true with us. Our experience, it depends on how we look at our past. You know, how God has been faithful. How we serve the Lord and view our service of the Lord in the future, our experience of Him in the past will influence our hope or the lack thereof in the future. Joshua, he did something that we all need to do. He captured the bigness of God. He accurately captures the greatness of God, the faithfulness of God. And it had great impact on his view of the future. His time's coming to a close, but he's talking about the future of this nation. And he had great hope and assurance for the future of God's people. Second truth, as we look at what it means to serve the Lord. Men who serve the Lord do so with a whole heart that forsakes what is false. Looking at men who serve the Lord. Men who serve the Lord do so with a whole heart that forsakes all that's false. Look at verse 14 again. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth. Put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now we look at verse 14. There are three obligations, three commitments that we need to make. It involves a serious heart. It involves a sincere heart. And involves a single heart. Let's start with the first one, a serious heart. What are we talking about? Fear the Lord, he says. We're not afraid of God running away from him. We're in awe of God running to him. We have great respect for the Lord. Men who serve the Lord have a respect, an awe, a sense of awe for God. We never want to displease Him. We're serious about serving Him. We're serious about our relationship with Him. We know we're going to be held accountable for our lives, for our family's lives, and we take that seriously. We're serious. So there has to be a seriousness about God in our lives. Then there's a sincere heart with sincerity and truth, Joshua says. To serve God with a whole heart that is true. That's what he's talking about here. We're serving God with a whole heart that is true. Not serving God in a half-hearted or critical way. Not doing it half-heartedly. We're sincere and we're true. We're giving God everything that we are, everything that we have. We are 100% completely, totally devoted to him. And we a complete and total commitment to God in our life. And then there's a single heart. He says, put away the gods, the little gods, in your life. Idolatry is the single greatest thing that keeps men, not only men, all of us, from serving God with everything that we are and everything that we have. And maybe not idols like he's talking about here, but we have idols in our lives. We've talked about that before. So the question of Joshua 24 is not if we will serve God, it's which God will you serve? Because you're, we are hardwired to worship something, and we are. You are worshiping something in your life, whether intentionally or not. The question is, will I worship the God, or will I put something else in his place, or worship myself as God? 
my way, do things my way, have my life my way instead of his way. So the question is, which God? Are you single in your devotion to God? Are you sincere in your devotion to God? Are you serious in your devotion to God? Because the truth is this, anyone or anything that takes the place of worship, honor, and attention that only, is only reserved for the Lord is an idol. doesn't matter what that thing is. If it's got a place in your life that belongs to God, then it's an idol. And there are two tests, a two-word test that will help you determine idolatry, whether or not it exists in your life. Number one is attention. And the second is attraction. Attention. What does my mind dwell on? What do you think about? What do you dwell on? And then attraction. What draws my heart? What draws the affections of my heart? What do I think about? And where do my affections lie? Look at verse 14 again. Therefore fear the Lord. Serve him. In sincerity and truth, put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt. And serve the Lord. Verse 15, if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, idols, when you break these verses down, idols can be things from the past that's what he's referring to, the gods your father served in Egypt. It can be things from our past that we dwell on, that we worship in some way, shape, form, or fashion. It can be things that we're familiar with in our own families, the gods which your father served, familiar things, maybe not even bad things, but things that, that take up too much of your thought and affection, your worship. It can be things in our current daily life. The God of the Amorites, verse 15, he says, in whose land you're currently in. So it can be something from our past. It can be familiar to us in our family, or it can be something in the present. Anything that we exchange for God. Anything that we allow a place in our life that belongs to him. And the Bible says to get rid of those things, to forsake those things, to flee from those things, to repent, which means a change of mind that results in a change of heart, that results in a change of action. I turn away from it and run away from it, to flee from those things. The Bible tells us to get rid of idols, to get them out of our lives, to put them behind us, to fight them, realizing that it is a daily fight in the Holy Spirit, that we are going to constantly do battle each day against our flesh, but by the power of God. Remember, this is only possible by his power. So we have a single, sincere, serious heart as you serve the Lord with a bulldog mentality. Here's you a study that speaks to our current situation. It's about germs. We're all concerned, and rightfully so, about spreading germs right now. There's a study from a few years back uh, that USA Today published, an article in USA Today published. They went to 90 different offices in New York, San Francisco, and Tucson, Arizona. Here's what they found. Dads, this is for you today, okay? They discovered that a man's office, in a man's office, there are 20% more germs than in a woman's office. So they two conclusions here. One researcher said it's because men are not as clean as women. The other said it's because men are bigger than women, so they have more germs. I choose to believe the second. <laughs> My wife would disagree probably. But, but you know, we're, all, we're thinking about, that's all we're thinking about these days, right? Spreading germs, passing germs, and we do need to be careful. We social, dis, social distance, all those things. We need to, you know, we need to be conscious of that. 
I mean, it's, it's very, a very serious subject, but at the same time, those, those types of germs aren't the greatest threat to ourselves or our families, dads. We are germy people, but not in that physical sense. The greatest germs, the germs that are the greatest threats are the germs that take a place in our life that belongs to God. That, in, that will infect you, it will infect your wife, your kids, your whole family. All of us, if we allow idols to, to exist in our lives and go unchecked, boy, the, the sickness that will cause, it, far greater than any pandemic that's ever existed, that mankind has ever known. The bottom line is we need to serve the Lord, and we need to get rid of idols in our lives. Verse, uh, 1 Corinthians ten fourteen warns us, Therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. 1 John five twenty one, Little children, guard yourselves from idols. Run away, guard yourself. And that brings us to the third truth. Men who serve the Lord make a choice of commitment that impacts others. We're going to impact others. If you're a dad, you're going to impact your family for good or for bad. But men who serve the Lord make a conscious choice to impact their family, to impact the lives of others for the glory of God. Look at verse 15 again. If it's disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live. But as for me and my house, conscious choice, as for me and my house, Joshua says, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Incredible passage of Scripture. Incredible verse. Choose this day who you will serve. What a challenge. The number one choice Hey, listen, whether you're a man or a woman, father, mother, single, divorced, not yet married, waiting on Mr. or Mrs. Wright, old, young, the greatest choice you will ever make is whether or not you will serve God. That's the greatest choice you will ever make in your life because at one point you're going to make that choice. Even if you don't make that choice, you're making that choice. The greatest choice, the greatest decision we make is whether or not we're going to serve the Lord. As you go throughout the day, men especially, as you go throughout the day, as you're attempting to lead your family, there are a million decisions you're going to make. None of them as important as this one, whether or not you serve the Lord. The number one choice. You know, some will not serve the Lord. Look, he says, if it's disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, we choose every day. Am I going to serve the Lord today? This isn't just a one-time choice either. Every day, am I going to serve the Lord or not? Some choose not to. It's sad, but some will choose, I'm not going to serve the Lord at all. That's my choice. That's what some people say. Joshua says, this day, as for me, he realizes that it starts with me. It's a personal choice. I can't make that choice for you. Nobody else can make that choice for you. I have to make the decision myself. As for me and my house, he's willing to accept, men, he is willing to accept the responsibility of spiritual leadership in his home. He's, taking, he's not trying to pass that to somebody else. As for me and my house, I want my family to serve the Lord. He says, we will serve the Lord. I cannot tell you how strong of a statement that is and how important of a statement that that is. This 100-year-old bulldog warrior for God lovingly but firmly is confronting these people and saying, you make the choice. You make the choice today 
who you're going to serve. Because I'm telling you, for me, the choice is made. I'm not going with culture. I'm not going to do what's popular. There's no question. The decision has been made. As long as there's blood in my veins and breath in my lungs, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's what he said. He said, there's no, the decision's been made. It's done. So what decision have you made? What decision do I make every day when I wake up? And I think about these four kids, my wife. Do I say, today I'm going to serve the Lord or am I going to serve myself? Am I going to serve something else? Am I going to give my heart and my affections to something else? Because to serve God means that I'm giving him my full attention. I'm walking in fellowship with him, discipleship. I'm on the great commission for him. I'm serving him. I know God is my savior. I'm growing in God in discipleship and I'm helping others know him and grow in him to go deeper with him. The world needs us to draw a line in the sand and say, as for me and my house, we are going to serve God. No question. Let there never be a debate. That's what God needs. Men who will stand up and serve the Lord and lead their families to do the same. There was a survey that revealed, this is recently, just, just came out, that showed that it's estimated that this year, kids will spend, or I guess, you know, wives and children will spend an estimated $17 billion on fathers this year, which is up from $16 billion last year. So even in the midst of, you know, pandemic, $17 billion, that's, that, that's pretty good, right? Well, it's not if you compare it to moms, because it's estimated that this year, families spent $27 billion on moms, which is up from $25 billion last year. What's up with that? I'm just kidding, moms. You deserve it. I'll be the first to admit. Y'all deserve it. No doubt. But you know, it's not what our families spend on us. It's at the end of the day, at the end of our lives, will we have spent everything that we are and everything that we have on them for the glory of God? Will we have led our families to serve the Lord with the same passion that we serve, that they saw us serving the Lord with in our lives? That, that's the greatest gift we can give our, our, our families. That's the greatest gift that we can receive on Father's Day is to give that gift to our families. So if you're here today, you're a dad, you're a mom, you're married, the greatest gift you can give is to serve the Lord with everything that you are, everything that you have. If you're a single parent, commit to serve the Lord with everything that you are, everything that you have. If you are a college student, a kid, if you're waiting to be married, whatever, wherever you are, widowed, divorced, the greatest thing you can do is to commit to serve the Lord with everything that you are and everything that you have. You know, simple illustration, a towel. It's, you know, we use this to dry off, right? In Jesus' day, you know, in the summertime, it's pretty hot out. We were at the ball field yesterday, baking in the sun, hot outside. And, you know, if you like to wear them, sandals are great for the sun, right, for the summertime. Keep your feet cool. And in Jesus' day, that's what they wore. I mean, they were great for the summertime, especially um, in that region of the world, hot a lot, good part of the time. So they were great for keeping their feet cool, but not for keeping their feet clean. Their feet would get filthy. And they would take the job of cleaning feet and reserve it for the lowest servant in the house. 
And that, that, was, that was the worst job you could possibly have. Hours before his death, Jesus takes a towel and performs for his disciples the lowest job that they would have, could have thought of. He washed their feet. Now, this right here, men, is the greatest gift you can give your family. Are you willing to serve, first of all, are you willing to serve the Lord? Are you willing to serve your wife? And are you willing to serve your kids? Are you willing to lead them to serve the Lord? Lead by example and serve the Lord. This right here is straight from heaven. This gift of serving your family. All this series, everything that we've talked about, it all hinges on each person fulfilling their role and committing themselves to the Lord. Wherever you are in life's journey, the greatest thing you can do is commit yourself to the Lord. You know, we tend to think that we can do something great for God, and that's fine. Maybe you will. Maybe you, you'll, you'll be the next Billy Graham. I don't know. But if you serve your family and lead them to Jesus, then that's really the greatest thing you can do. And if you don't do that, it doesn't matter what else you do for the Lord. Men who serve the Lord, where are you in this? Are there are big things going on in our home. It's not the sports. It's not what you're going to grill this afternoon. I can't wait to eat. I'm looking forward to lunch. It's not the possessions that you have. The, the biggest thing in your home is this. God has called you to serve your wife. He's called you to serve your kids. He's called you to serve your family. And that begins with a relationship with him. Do you know Jesus is your savior? None of this means anything. You can't serve God unless you're a child of God. And so if you're listening to this here today at home, I encourage you, use that same contact, infoatwallhighway.com. While we're still not having a time of commitment like we have in the past, you, you let me know, and I'll, I'll share with you how you can make that decision. Maybe you're, you're lost in the midst of this message, and you don't really know how to respond. You, you, there's so many things, or maybe there's one thing that, that the Lord's dealing with you on, an area, maybe you're a dad, and you're not, you're not serving the Lord faithfully, you're, you, you fall somewhere else, a, a mom, or single, divorced, whatever, this whole series, there, there's, been, there's just been, there have been some things that, that, that you know are not right in your life, but you just don't, you don't know what it is. Let, let me know, and I'll help you walk through that journey. I'll walk through it with you. And help you discover how you need to respond. But we're just going to spend a few moments in prayer. As we close out today, as we close out this series, and just ask the Lord to show us, is there anything that's hindering my ability to serve you? God, is there anything that I need to get rid of? Is there anything, any, any commitment that you're asking me to make that I'm not making? Let's just bow our heads. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. And afterwards, I'm going to have a few announcements for you, and we'll, we'll finish up our time of worship together today. Father, we've been through this seven-week journey where we've looked at your ideal for the family. We've seen how it impacts mothers. We've seen how it impacts children. We've seen how it impacts those who are single and members of the family of God. We've seen how it impacts us, whether we're in a family or not, whether we're in a period in, in life where we've lost someone. We've seen the truths of your word applied to the various areas of our life. 
And today we finish with the spiritual leader, the, the person you've called to be the spiritual leader of the home, fathers. And as we celebrate this Father's Day, I pray that each of us would allow you to search our hearts. Holy Spirit, dig deep and uncover anything that exists that stands in the way of us being completely and totally committed to you. Maybe it's salvation. Maybe there's someone right now listening to this here at home who doesn't know you and they know they're not saved. I pray that they would contact us, use that email address, and allow me to share with them how to make that most important decision. The decision to accept the salvation that you and you alone offer and to follow you with their lives. Maybe their dad's here today or at home or, or other individuals. Regardless of where we are in life, we see these principles and we know there are areas where we are falling short. There are areas we all struggle with, different areas, but we all have struggles. And Lord, we ask for your strength. We recognize that we cannot do this in our own strength. We can't be the men, the women, the kids, young adults, senior adults that you've called us to be on our own. It's not possible. Lord, we need to depend on you daily by your power and your strength. But Lord, may we devote ourselves completely to you with sincerity of heart and mind and with our whole hearts and minds, with all that we are and all that we have, committing to you for your glory and your glory alone. Lord, I pray for our families in this church and I pray for this church family. I pray that we would look to your faithfulness in the past and move into the future with confidence and assurance, even in the midst of the uncertainties that we face, knowing that you who have always been faithful will be faithful to provide in the future. Lord, we thank you for the promises in scripture. We thank you for the relationship that we have with you and the hope that we have in you. For it's in Jesus' name that we do pray. Amen. A couple of announcements before we dismiss. Of course, again, this is a time in our service, our time of commitment, where we give our tithes and offerings. The boxes are hanging at the back, white boxes, ushers at the doors, and each building will be there to take your offering if you're here today and want to give it. Uh, the online option is still available for those of you that are not here, or even if you are here and choose to use that, um, as well as the mail-in option with the address, and or you can use your online bill pay. And so we want to continue to be faithful to, to worship the Lord through giving, and that's how we're doing that uh, right now. I uh, want to mention also uh, that uh, we are, if you're, again, if you're a guest here today or at home, use that email address, info at wallhighway.com, contact us, let me get in touch with you just to say hello, introduce myself a little bit more, and, and uh, we can get to know each other a little bit that way, set up a meeting to do that. I want to mention, too, uh, a week from tomorrow, uh, really next Sunday, we begin uh, with a, a message, two-part series, Breaking Free. Next week, we'll talk about Breaking Free and Breaking Through. We're going to begin uh, 35 Days of Prayer. Uh, as a church family, as we refocus and allow God to, to refocus us on where he wants us to go in the future, in the midst and beyond, on the other side of, of this pandemic and everything that we've experienced. We're going to start with a church-wide day of fasting on the 29th of June, uh, and I will have tomorrow, I'm going to go live, and I'll have a fasting guide for you, as well as a prayer guide that you will use during that 35 days. We'll make that available 
um, on the website, and uh, we'll email that to you as well. And so that will be coming tomorrow, and we'll begin that next week with a sermon next Sunday. Um, and uh, mention also that uh, you, there's a discussion guide for today online with the sermon notes. You can use that with your family dads. A uh, great way to have a study with your family this afternoon. Just kind of apply, look at how we can apply some of these things that we've talked about every week. Continue to sign up for the service. You guys are doing a great job with that. appreciate you all doing that, bearing with us. And for uh, the social distancing, everybody uh, being cooperative. I know it's different. I know it's strange. I know you walk through the door, you want to give somebody a hug. Uh, we can't do that yet unless they're a part of your family. And then it's up to your family members as to whether or not they'll let you do that. Uh, but uh, thank you so much for being uh, patient and for working with us. We're going to dismiss. Please uh, wait for the ushers to let you go back to front again. You can fellowship out in the parking lot. Let's get everybody out so our sanitation team can, can clean. Dad, happy Father's Day. Uh, dads, rather, happy Father's Day. This only looks easy. It's not that easy, all right? Happy Father's Day. Have a great day, all of you, and God bless you all. You're dismissed. <laughs>